Whoever believes in him, you don't have to know anybody. <laughs> Glory to God. Y'all don't like it. Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So salvation is for anybody. That's the bottom level, though. It's the entryway, but it's the bottom level. Then we preach the message on believe in Jesus. John 14, 1, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Right? So we learn how he's inviting us into a believing beyond salvation. Believing to where you trust him so much so that you never ever have to shrink back again in fear or in panic. Never ever have to uh, be worried. H1N1. Remember that swine flu and coronavirus and all the things people are worried about and depression and all the things people are worried about and panicking about. When you believe in him, you never have to shrink back into anything anymore. You got it? We let, read a scripture. We were on this for a few weeks. Isaiah 28, 16. At the end of that verse, it says, whoever believes in him, or whoever believes, rather, we insert it in him, will not act hastily. In other words, my translation is, you won't freak out. Okay? So, do you believe in Jesus? Then we said, believe in Jesus. Then last Sunday, we ministered, believe Jesus. Say, believe Jesus. Because I showed you last week that it's possible to believe in Jesus and sometimes not believe Jesus. How many of y'all remember that? It's very possible. I walked through scripture to show you that. In fact, I, I told you how in John 2, 11, the Bible says when Jesus Christ, uh, after he turned the water into wine, he manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. They believed in him. They were already following him. They had salvation faith. But then after they saw this great miracle, this great sign, the first sign that he did, they believed, the Bible says, in him. They saw something and believed in him. But we also read how, and I, I don't have time to go through it all, but we, we saw how he told them on several occasions how he was going to Jerusalem, how he was going to be scourged, be afflicted, be spat on, be killed on the cross, but then he's also going to be raised again on the third day morning. He told them this on several occasions, and yet when the event happened, they didn't believe. Day one, they saw, him, they saw him, in fact, the week leading up to that, what we call Passion Week, they saw him spit on, they saw him scourged, they saw him whipped, they saw him brutalized, they saw him mocked, then on the cross, they saw him crucified, they saw him buried, so the moment they saw him buried, they should have started countdown. One, two, three. But your Bible tells me that on day three, they were hiding, mourning, and weeping. On the day that they should have been looking for him to be raised, they were mourning and weeping. Even when Mary saw him, came and told them, the Bible says they still did not believe. Then when two of their own disciples saw him, came and told them, they still refused to believe. Then when all, all the disciples saw him, except for Thomas, Didymus, Thomas, they told him the story. All ten guys 
guys told him the story. Remember there were 12? Judas is dead. So Thomas is the last guy, right? So all 10 guys said, we have seen the master. He is alive. Thomas said, if I don't feel his hands, if I don't see the nails in his, in his hands and his feet, he said, I will not believe. Although he was told the same thing from Jesus, that he'd die, and in three days he'd be raised again. They believed in him, but they did not believe him. So there are people who may be sitting in here today, watching us online right now, who may believe in Jesus, but don't believe him. What do you mean I don't believe him? He said, you shall live and not die. He said, if you call me, I will answer you. <laughs> These things he said, yet our actions prove we don't believe him. Oh, I believe in him. All right, we looked at John chapter 11 last week also. We saw Martha and Mary. They had a brother named Lazarus who the Bible says Lazarus died. Am I right about it? And when they died, uh, even before, they, before he died, they got news of Jesus Christ. Jesus, hey, uh, the friend, Lazarus, your friend whom you love is sick. Notice how they put that on there. The one you love as if he doesn't love everybody. But there, there was a special relationship that he had with them. We understand. And Bethany, they'd always take care of him. So he loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And yet he stayed where he was, the Bible says. He didn't freak out. He didn't act hastily. And to the point that Lazarus actually died. He goes down there. And he tells Mary, uh, uh, Martha runs into him and says, and Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Y'all know the story? John 11? Y'all wake up. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. So see her level of belief? Was she right? Well, it's possible. He might have still let him die. But her belief level was, well, at least if you were here, he wouldn't have died. But we know that Jesus said, oh, your brother will live. Now, they're already following him. They believe in him. Your brother will live. And she says, oh, I know yeah, he shall live at the resurrection the last day. Jesus responded and says, but I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He said, Martha, do you believe this or do you believe me? Then she comes with this cockamamie reply. Well, I know you are him sent from heaven to earth. I know all that. See, she didn't believe him. She believed in him. And what happens is if you only believe in him, you cannot get those things that the Bible says in Hebrews accompany salvation. <clears throat> There's all kind of miracles and manifestations that you and I need that we cannot get our hands on with only a, a secondary level of believing. Did y'all catch that? <laughs> so we dealt with our primary level of believing, right? That's I believe Jesus. I believe in him like uh, whoever believes in him should not perish have no last life. I'm saved. I'm in the door. But then a secondary level is believing in him. In other words, I believe all that he is. But we got to get to this tertiary, tertiary level 
I'm teaching y'all a few words here. Primary, secondary, tertiary, T-E-R-T-I-A-R-Y, in case you write that down. T-E-R-T-I-A-R-Y. Tertiary level of believing that I believe him. So whatever, uh, I was about to say ghetto, whatever him says, <laughs> right? Thank you. I saw you straighten me out, Angie. You, you knew I wasn't going to say, Pastor, don't say that. Whatever he says, you believe it. And the truth is, he has said so many things to us that we've not acted on because we didn't believe him. You can't, Pastor, Pastor, you can't tell me I didn't believe him. I come to church. I ain't talking about coming to church. I'm talking about whatever he says unto you, do it. And the problem, we got too much struggle, too many uh, disputes on the inside of us because we just don't believe him. We're trying to find other ways around what he says. Glory to God. Put up John 11, verse 21. Uh, put, just put the whole chapter up. I'm, I'm John 11, verse 21 says, Now Martha said, said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been in my brother, would not have died. Right? Verse 24. 24. Glory to God. 24. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Look at our believing. 27. 27. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Jesus, uh, I don't know what that last part, Jesus and death, the last enemy. Oh, that's the next title for the next paragraph. That, that's, that's a programming error. We just updated the software, and they just, I'm telling you, they messed that up. Yeah, I got you. Now, so notice, and y'all know the verse, verse John eleven thirty five. Y'all know that one, don't you? Say it, say it, say it, say it. Mm. Okay, let's start out. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Y'all got it. See there? Look at y'all. Started off. It ain't but two words. Y'all remember that TV show, the game show you used to have years ago called Name That Tune? Yeah. How many of y'all old enough remember Name That, name that Tune? Name That Tune, they, we're going to play a little bit of this music, and you got to figure out what the name <laughs> Ain't but two words of the whole verse, y'all, started off. <laughs> Why did he weep? Huh? Because I believe, not because he was sad. If you read the chapter, he wasn't sad. He let him die. He wasn't sad. Y'all missing that. He, matter of fact, his words in the beginning of John 11 were, this sickness is not unto death, but that the glory of God should be revealed. So he wasn't sad. So Jesus Christ, he wept. Not because he was sad, people teach, and, and, and there are people are like, oh, look how he must have loved Lazarus. Look how he's crying. He wasn't crying because of Lazarus, he was crying because of y'all. Don't make him cry. He cried because there's so much unbelief. He's like, y'all know me. I've been here. I hang out in this town. How many times have I had revivals in this, in this city of Bethany? 
Why y'all still here weeping? Why y'all still here sad? How come you have no expectation when I show up? That's why he's weeping. All right. Yet, he helped them in spite. Glory to God. John 11, 39. My battery cutting out, something happened in here. John 11, 39 through 45, says, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he has been dead four days. Notice her unbelief is still working. Her unbelief is still overwhelming. It's in high gear. Didn't I say to you that if you will believe, you will see the glory of God? Yes. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, watch this. Watch this. Now he looks past the crowd. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Forget all the other unbelievers. You heard me. Verse 42. And I know that you always hear me, but because of these unbelievers standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. So notice, remember we're preaching on Lord help my unbelief. So how he helps their unbelief is doing the miracle. Somebody going to get blessed today. How he helps, he didn't give 12 steps to overcome their unbelief. He did the miracle to overcome their unbelief. My God, my God, my God. Sometimes as theologians, we get so deep and hermeneutical and homiletical, and we got to give people three steps and 12 steps, and Jesus Christ said, here, how's I'm going to fix that. In spite of your unbelief, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Bam, how you like them apples. Now you believe. That's what he said. But I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Keep going, keep going. Now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Y'all know the rest of the story, right? Okay, now, he's helping their unbelief. Go back, please, uh, media, to verse uh, 14 and 15. Verse 14 and 15, then we'll move on here. Verse 14 and 15. I still got an hour left. Verse 14 and 15. They laughed, but my clock hadn't started yet. <laughs> Y'all better fix that real quick. <coughs> then you <laughs> what y'all laughing for? No, as a matter of fact, I owe y'all one. I owe y'all one. Because when Pastor Joshua was, was preaching the other night, and he was talking about preaching long, and y'all always, them to my, that's the house, that's anointing on this house, and y'all, y'all was like, ah, gah, 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 gah. I took a picture of all y'all was laughing. Trust me. I know who was laughing about. Okay. So then, then Jesus said to them plainly, now he's talking to his disciples who are his followers, who believe in him. He said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Verse 15. And I am glad for your sakes that you may believe. In other words, he knew that they had unbelief. Not just Mary and Martha, but his, his 12 who were walking with him. Still, 
unbelief. He says, so I'm going to do this that you may believe. So how does he help their unbelief? He does the miracle. <laughs> this is good than y'all letting on already. That is better. He's going to help their unbelief by doing the miracle. Got it? God wants to help you. Help you and your unbelief today. <laughs> Pastor, give me 12 steps. Okay. You want them. <laughs> I'm talking about Lord. The Lord, can I tell you something? This is God's moment here. God is like, I don't have time for no 12 steps no more. God's ready to move things supernaturally. God's ready to accelerate things. He don't have time to be going through 12 steps of this and 9 steps of this and 18 steps to turn around your life. Hey, just do what I say and watch what happens. Glory to God. We ain't got three times no three points in a poem and nine steps, you know, three points and four sub points and 18 conclusions. We ain't got time for that. God's ready to move right now. So he said, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. He said, I'm about to increase your faith level. They already had the news before he died. But he, he stayed purposely. Let his friend die so he could increase their faith level. He told me sickness not unto death. Got it? All right, now. So he's got to help their unbelief. There are four things. Here's a list. But there's, there's four things you must know about unbelief. Number one, unbelief limits the power of God. Number one, unbelief limits the power of God. Matthew 13, 53 through 58. Do y'all have that? Matthew 13, 53 through 58. Help me out this time here. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Now remember, no, go back, go back. Remember he came to his own country where he's from, okay? Folk who know him. They know him. That's Jesus, right? But they said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Verse 55, keep going, please. Is this not the carpenter's son? Remember Joseph, his dad? Is not his mother called Mary? Yeah, we, we know him. You know that's old Mary boy. And his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, they know the whole family. Keep going. And his sisters. They, I mean, they, they know the whole clan. We can't say clan. They know the whole family. Are, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? Now, they're expressing their unbelief. Now, watch what happens in verse 57. So they were offended at him. 
That word offended is the Greek word scandalizo, which means to distrust someone you should be trusting. The Bible says the ones who love the law, love the word, great peace have they who love the word, nothing shall by any means offend them. That means when you hear or read the word from God, you don't get off-ended by it. You don't go off the deep end by it. You take it. I I take it. Okay, that's what God's word says. One of the first things I heard Apostle Durbin say when he first came to this church back in in, uh, what was it? 2009. 2009 was sometimes your answer becomes your problem. Sometimes your answer becomes your problem. In other words, you're crying out to God, God, I need help, I need help. And so he opens the, God opens the word to you, shows you the answer, and then you go, I can't do that. What's, what's happened is your answer has become your problem. Now you got a whole new problem altogether. Because this is the only thing that's going to bring you out of it. But I can't do that. So here is Jesus Christ. He's the answer to all their problems. And the Bible says they were offended at him. And he said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Keep going, please, verse 58. Watch this. Watch this, verse 58. Now, he did not do many mighty works there. Why? So unbelief limits the power of God. He could not do, did not do. Some, Some places it says he could not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. God has all power, yes, but he's limited by unbelief. So he has to help us get past unbelief to do mighty works. Got it? Number two, unbelief will make you waver in faith, in your faith. Unbelief will make you waver in your faith. Romans 4, verse 20. Romans 4, verse 20. Talks about Abraham here, our father of the faith. It says, Abraham, he did not waver at the promise of God through what? but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So notice what would have made him waver. Unbelief. The Bible talks about the man that wavers, in James 1, double-minded in all his ways. He'll not receive anything from the Lord. So you can't afford to waver in your faith. Y'all, y'all, y'all can adjust the air conditioning now. It's, it's, it's dropped. It's good. We good. Thank you. Praise God. All right. So, so, so we don't want to waver in our faith. And the Bible says that unbelief will make you waver in your faith. Now, I'm just showing you why it's so important for us to get rid of unbelief. Okay? We don't want, we don't need, we don't want to live where God has to keep doing something uh, against our, you know, in, in spite of our unbelief. If we get the unbelief out of the way, he can do things because of our faith. That's how you become a producer. Not, not accidental miracles. Intentional miracles. Not accidental manifestation. Not have mercy on me, Lord, manifestation. But intentional, where you know how to walk by faith, not by sight. You know how to live by faith every day and get things done every day using your faith. 
In other words, you and I don't want to be on God's welfare system. Let me describe the welfare system to you. The children of Israel were in the wilderness. They lived on welfare. Manna. Daily, right? Uh, uh, quail. Right, war out of a rock. It was welfare. God blessed them. He provided for them. But the Bible says they did not enter his rest because of their unbelief. So in the wilderness, they were in unbelief. The moment they crossed over to the promised land, all that stuff stopped. They now had to use their faith, use their actions to get manifestation every day. See, so you and I want to live like that. Got it? Not on welfare. I'm talking about God's welfare here. All right? Now, he'll start us all out that way. But he's trying to boost our faith to where we can begin to get things done intentionally. Got it? All right, what I tell you number one was? Number two. Number three, unbelief keeps you from entering God's rest. So I just read about, just talked about, it keeps you from entering God's rest. You know there's a rest still for the people of God? There remains a rest for the people of God? What is his rest? It's that place of promise, that place of, of paradise. It's that place of the promised land of milk and honey where everything is good where hopefully all of us are trying to get to. Now, I know spiritually that's what we are. I understand that. I understand that spiritually, Barbara. I I'm, I'm, I'm I'm at least know that theological fact. We've entered into that place of rest spiritually. Once you're saved, Holy Ghost Phil, you're in that place of rest spiritually. I'm talking about your money and your body and your marriage and your children, everything about your life. You want to enter that place of rest. There remains a rest. That's what we said. There remains a rest. When the Bible was talking about that, it was talking about how the people entered the promised land, and yet the Bible says, yet there remaineth a rest for the people of God. There's still more rest for the people of God. Otherwise, you can go higher and do better and have more and live more abundantly. Got it? So unbelief will keep us from entering God's rest. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16 through 19, let's look at that. says, for, for who, having heard, rebelled, having heard what? They heard God's word. They rebelled. Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? <laughs> Verse 17. Uh, now with whom was he angry 40 years? God was angry a whole 40 years. Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? Verse 18. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but those who did not obey, verse 19, so we see that they could not enter into his rest because So unbelief, go back to verse um, 18, verse 17, 17. Unbelief was behind their sin. Verse 18. Unbelief was behind their disobedience. Verse 19, unbelief was behind them not entering in. I'm just showing you why unbelief is so uh, dangerous. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe Jesus? Lord, I believe. Help my 
humbly. Now that seems like a, a, a paradoxical statement, doesn't it? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. How can he just say on one hand, Tony, Lord, I believe, and right behind that say, help my unbelief? How can there be belief and yet unbelief at the same time? Well, it's because you can grow in your faith exceedingly. Your faith can increase. It's because you need enough faith to match your circumstance. In other words, you know, you can, you can quantify faith. Y'all missed that. You can quantify faith. First of all, the Bible says not all men have it. Then the Bible says, Romans 12, 3, he's given every man the measure. So you started with a measure. But then we, we read places in scripture where Jesus would say, oh, oh you have little faith. <laughs> then it talk about somebody with great faith. He said one time, I've not seen so great faith in all of Israel. So you can quantify faith. So the situation with, with every one of us, I was going to say many of us, but every one of us, if we're still in a battle that we're not seeming to get victory over, it's because we don't have enough faith for the battle. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So there's a... i <laughs> hush on this point. So you have to have faith to overcome the world. You got it? That's why your faith, Paul said, I want your faith to grow. I want your faith to be increased. The disciples even prayed, Lord, in Luke 17, 1, the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. 17, 1, 17, 2, somewhere around there. Lord, increase our faith. So you can increase your faith. There's enough faith available to overcome every sickness, every disease, every problem, every debt, every bit of lack. Every marriage problem, every family problem, impotence, strife, rebellion, confusion. There's enough faith available from God to overcome every bit of it, but you have to increase your faith. Why? So that you can say, Lord, I believe, period. How do I know? Two blind men came to him. He said, what do y'all want me to do? They said, Lord, that we may receive our sight. He said, do you believe? I'm able to do this. They said, yes, Lord, we believe. He said, according to your faith, let it be to you. Notice his question was, do you believe I'm able to do this? <laughs> yes, we believe. They didn't say we believe, help our unbelief. They said, yes, we believe. we believe. That's why we holler out to you. We believe you can do it. He said, good, according to your faith, let it be to you. Because you have enough faith to receive this miracle manifestation. Let it be to you. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, remember the centurion came to Jesus Christ? Lord, my servant lies home sick under death. He needs some help. And at first, the people were trying to get him to come to his, come to Je get Jesus to come to the uh, centurion's house. And the centurion said, no, 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 you don't, you don't need to come to my house. He said, I understand who I'm talking to. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
He said, he said I'm a man uh, of authority and a man also under authority. I say to one, go and he goes. I say to one, come and he comes. He said, all you got to do is speak a word. I understand what authority looks like. He said, you speak a word and my servant will be healed. Jesus said, I have not seen so great a faith. No, not in all Israel. And then Jesus said this to him, go your way as you have believed. He said, go your way as you have believed or according to your faith. With the same measure that you have released in your faith, he said, your servant is healed. And then he got home and found out the servant was healed. And he asked him, what time was it? What, what, what time, exact what time was it when he got healed? And they told him what time. He said, that's the exact moment I said. That's the exact moment he said, go your way. And I knew he was healed. See, according to your faith. So you have to have faith. So when that man, uh, back in Mark 9, we're going to get to him just in a second. Uh, that man said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. He's saying, I'm, I'm close. But I got a little bit of area of unbelief I got to get out. So understand this, ladies and gentlemen, that when there is still unbelief in your life, God's got, he's not going to knock you down for it. He wants to help you with it. Doesn't mean you have no faith. Doesn't mean you're just some old sorry, good-for-nothing church member. It means you got to work on it a little bit more to increase your faith. Now, give me number one again. Give me number two. Give me number three. But I have good news for you. Number four is Jesus loves you enough to help you overcome your unbelief. Jesus loves you enough to help you overcome your unbelief. Now, I know some of y'all ain't looking like that, and that don't mean nothing to you. But if anybody here having a need from God, I'm telling you, this is some good news. He loves me enough to help me overcome my belief. Tell your neighbor, Jesus loves you. I was, I was in Walmart a couple weeks ago. And I ran into uh, Brother, Brother Jermaine, but um, it took good care of me, of course. And, uh, but when I was in there, I, I ran into a guy who, uh, he used to cut his hair back in the day, years ago. I was a barber at a time from that, 2002, so this is a long time ago. And um, he said, it was like one of those coming to America moments. <laughs> it is the prince! He was like, oh, man, look at this. How I ran into you like this. I'm like, praise the Lord. <laughs> it is me. And, uh, man, I was just talking about you. I said, really? I ain't seen you in years. I was just talking about you. I said, really, what was going on? He said, I was just telling this man about how in the barbershop, how he used to encourage me. And he said, the man told me, he said, my friend told me, you need to go find his church. You need to go find him and tell him thank you for all he said to you. He said, here you are right now. 
I said, praise God. He said, you remember what you said? I said, no. <laughs> His name is Hura, H-U-R-A. He said, he said, you remember you said Hura? He was love Jesus. I said, that's what I said. He said, yeah. He said, you know nobody had ever told me that. He said, my whole life, I had never heard that. He said, that word changed my life. I'm like, all I did was told him Jesus loves you. <laughs> but praise the Lord. Well, I have news for you today. Jesus loves you enough to help you overcome your unbelief. Oh, that's good news. You ought to tell somebody, he loves you, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He's not going to kick you down because you don't have enough faith. He's not going to kick you out because you don't have enough faith. He loves you. He loves me. I don't take it personally. He loves me enough to help me overcome my unbelief. And I have to admit, as much of a faith preacher as I am, there are still areas where I'm coming short. Because if I wasn't coming short, I'd already have manifestation. So I need you to catch what I'm saying. If you're not short, you already have manifestation. So why don't you just go ahead and let your guard down and admit I'm still a little bit short. <laughs> I remember I remember speaking to Barbara and I when I was a barber. You know, it was, it was cash only back then. We had no cash app and no PayPal, all that kind of stuff. It was all cash. And some people come in there, hey, oh, hey John, man, hey, hey, I'm a little short. I'm a little short. Tony, you never ran this, I know. Hey, I'm a little short. Hey, can I, can I, and I say, come on, man, come on. I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you. I'll take care of you. Well, that's how God does us. Aren't you glad that's how God does you? You know, that's what, you know, that's what grace is all about. Oh, I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little short. So what he does, he puts his ability on top of your ability and gives you the ability to do what you didn't have the ability to do before he put his ability on top of your ability. That's what grace is. It's when you come up short. My grace is sufficient. So Jesus loves me and he loves you enough to help us overcome our unbelief. You know why? Remember number one? What was number one? He wants you to experience the power of God. He wants you to experience it. He's not saying hold it back like, no, I ain't going to. No, he's not trying to hoard, hoard the power of God. He wants us to experience it. So he's going to help us overcome our unbelief. What was number two? He doesn't want you wavering in your faith. Because if you waver in your faith, you don't experience the promises of God. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, all his promises are yes and in him, amen. So he wants me to experience the promises of God. So to do that, he knows, he already knows, he already knows he got to help me. Isn't that just good news? We can talk. We can just talk. Chris, is that all right? 
We, we, this is time we just come up short. I need a miracle. But my faith is running short. So he'll help me. He wants us to enter into his rest. So he's going to help us overcome our unbelief because he loves us that much. You got that? Well, that's good news right there. Go back to Mark 9. Let's, let's wrap this up. Mark 9. Mark 9. Hallelujah. Y'all go and put the regular time back on that clock so I can see what time it is. Wait, y'all start a little. Just tell me what time it actually is. Y'all did change the clock, right? You got the right time. Mark 9. Y'all lost that hour. You can get, get it back when you go home. Now, pick up in verse 17, please. Mark 9, 17. So we get this man who comes to Jesus Christ. Jesus has been on the mountain of transfiguration early in the chapter. Up there with Peter, James, and John, they uh, encounter uh, Moses and Elijah. He's transformed, comes out of the mountain, sees a crowd there gathered around his, the other nine guys, other, other nine disciples, and he asks, hey, what's going on? So a man comes and says, Lord, I brought uh, you my son. In verse uh, 17, teacher, I brought you my son. I brought you my son. I brought him to you. Because you can do something. I believe in you. Now notice he says, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Keep going, please. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes, it with, gnashes his teeth. He becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples. Now I brought you my son. But I spoke to your disciples that they should not cast it out, that they should cast it out, but they could not. Now, I just read that because I don't want you to forget that part. But they could not. Now, they had already been given by Jesus Christ authority and power over all demons. But here it says when this man brought him to the disciples or spoke to the disciples, he brought him to Jesus, but he spoke to the disciples because he was up on the mountain. He spoke to them and that they should cast it out, but they could not. So we got two issues we're dealing with here. All right? Now, so we see this man already believes in Jesus Christ. He comes to Jesus Christ because he needs help. And that's what you and I have to do is when we need help, come to Jesus Christ because he's the only one that can change our lives. Tell your neighbor, he can change your life. That's good news for me. He changed my life. I was a wreck, toe up from the flow up. I'll keep going, but it'll make you mess up. So let's keep going. Verse, what we read, verse 18. All right, verse 19. Verse 19. He answered him and said, now some translations say he answered them. Several translations you read, it says he answered them, which is a better translation. So if you get a chance, write in your Bible, put a, underline that and just write underneath it something like that, them. He answered them and said, oh, faithless generation. Because remember, the man came to Jesus Christ believing. And he said, I spoke to your disciples and for them to do it, and they could not. So he's not going to rebuke this guy. 
This guy isn't one of his students. This guy came in faith. So he's rebuking his disciples. He answered them and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? I only got three and a half years to do this, guys. Remember in Mark 5, they were on that boat? No, it was actually Mark 4, rather, the very last part of Mark 4. And they're on the boat in the storm, and they all freaking out, we're going to die. And he, he calms the wind and the waves, and he says to them, where is your faith? He said, how is it, another translation, how is it that you have no faith? So here, he's, he's frustrated. These are his pupils, his students, his disciples who believe in him. And he's saying, like, come on, oh, faithless. In fact, some translations you read, that word faithless is translated unbelieving. Oh, unbelieving generation. He said, how long shall I be with you guys? How long shall I bear with you? How long got I put up with y'all? Unbelieving disciples. He said, bring him to me. Keep going, please. Verse 20. Then they brought unto him when he saw him uh, immediately, the spirit convulsed him. He fell on the ground, waddled, foaming at the mouth. Keep going. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. Come on. And often he's thrown him both into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He knows he can do something. That's why he brought him. But notice he, he throws this little word in here, if. Belief, unbelief. He came there in belief. He came there in public with a lunatic, crazy son in public, risking all the embarrassment and shame of what his son was doing because he believes that strongly. Yet, when he's now on the cusp of receiving, he says, if. See, so there's that little ounce of unbelief there. And if you'll be truthful with me this morning, there are plenty of places in our lives where there's still this ounce, maybe a pint, of unbelief. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Verse 23, watch Jesus' response. He says, if you can believe. Some translations read, if you can he said, no, it's not, not if I can, it's if you can. My ability isn't the question. The question is, can you believe? He said, if you can believe, what happens? He's just told us the power of faith. You ought to write that down. This is the power of faith. This is the power of faith. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. That's the power of faith. How many things? All things? So when you have faith, all things and anything becomes possible. You can get all things and anything done when you have faith. He said, if you can believe, can you believe this morning? Now watch. Here's the issue. Here's the issue. He said, if you can believe. 
So Jesus is trying to move us, this is what I've been teaching for the last few weeks, from basic believing to get saved to a believing where it's all things are possible. Believing. Over in Matthew 17, Jesus says, in fact, I, I need you to read that. Put, put it on the screen. Matthew 17, verse 20. Jesus said this. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible. Now, we just read in Mark 9, 23, he said all things will be possible. Now he tells us here in Matthew 17 that nothing will be impossible. Now, those sound like absolutes. Everybody say absolute. That means all things possible, nothing impossible. All things possible, nothing impossible. That's the power of our faith if we come up in it. Now, the wonderful thing about Matthew 17, 20 is this is the exact same story we're reading in Mark 9. Notice Mark 17, 20. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Well, let's back up a couple verses here. Go back to verse like 18 or so. Verse 18. Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out, that very, uh, out, came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Verse 19. The disciples came to Jesus proudly and said, why could we not cast it out? Now, he cast the, the demon out. They want to know how come we couldn't do it. They're questioning, how come we can do it? Now, remember I told you earlier, the man brought to the disciples and they could not cast it out. And I told you we got two problems. We got the man's unbelief, but we have the disciples' unbelief. That's two. That's both parties have unbelief. Now, when the man brings his son out of Jesus, Jesus doesn't have unbelief. So he was able to overcome the man's unbelief with a miracle. But if I have unbelief and I come to you to pray for me with your unbelief, y'all missed that. You got to really find out what prayer partners you're going to. <laughs> you got to really check out who you're going to have interceding for you. Because if you have unbelief and they have unbelief, you're going to have stuff undone. things will still remain impossible. So you got to find somebody who's gotten over their unbelief, at least in that area. If you got a financial struggle and you got unbelief, don't go to somebody else. They still got unbelief in that same area too. They praying on gold, need it farther than the ceiling. You got unbelief in your physical body, you know, because you got an issue in your physical body, and I'm praying about the Lord, I'm struggling. Find somebody who's there getting victory in their physical body. Some, some attack them, they overcome it. I got marriage problems. I talked to somebody else, they got marriage problems. Guess what you're going to have? More problems. <laughs> Am I right about it? So, why could we not cast it out? Verse 20. So Jesus said to them, why? The man had unbelief. They had unbelief. He said, because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, not a little bit, that's not little, that's power. A mustard seed is powerful, it's potent. 
You can put a little bit of mustard on something, it'll change the taste of everything. It's potent. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, he then gives, y'all ready? I'm done for all y'all sleepyheads. People just sleep. Life full on belief and they sleep. <laughs> I mean, we all have unbelief now. I'm not picking on them. We all have it. I'm trying to show us how we can get over it. So he then gives a secret here to overcome an unbelief. Verse 21. Verse 21. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. I already told you this. You taught this church. He's not saying this kind of power does not go out. This kind of authority does, does not go out. He had already given them power and authority over all demons. He's saying this kind of faith does not go out, which means you got to have unbelief eradicated. So the way to do it, watch this, this, this is going to be the simple thing, is prayer and fasting. This is so critical to us, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus in Matthew 6, when you pray, when you fast, because he's given us the, the uh, formula or the or keys rather to overcoming our unbelief. How? Because fasting blocks all the sources of unbelief. Oh, y'all, y'all better catch this. Fasting blocks out all sources of unbelief. Write that down. Fasting blocks out all sources of unbelief. You know, when you fast, it's not about just not eating. Y'all know that, right? People spend so much time focused on what I'm, I'm not eating. And really, when they're talking about not eating, they really think about when they're going to eat. Passing the six, and you counting down. At 5.30, you start preparing your meal. As soon as the clock hits six, I'm going to eat this food. You're thinking so much about what you're not eating as opposed to thinking about what you're blocking out. The point of fasting is not not eating. The point of fasting is blocking out all the unbelief. That's why you don't turn the TV on and get on your computer and read the news and watch the news and listen to the radio and entertain folk because you're trying to block out any source of unbelief. I just taught you something golden right there. You better catch that. I'm trying to block out any source of unbelief. Because i got to spend this time with God. That's on Jesus Christ. Before he launched into ministry, he spent 40 days fasting by himself. And he came back full of the power of the Spirit and did miracles day one. Bam! Why? He got rid of all unbelief. And then you read through his ministry from time to time, he'd get away, get apart by himself, and he'd just go pray. He'd go sometimes and pray all night long. Well, did he pray all night? Was he, 24, was he 12 hours worth of just praying? No, it, it's, he's by himself 
with God, and he has no interference from some unbelieving joker. Like, well, you know, nine out of ten people die when they use premexia and all of this. And what happens is, if you and I don't start blocking out the sources of unbelief, we keep getting filled with unbelief. So when we run into a situation where we need our belief strong, it's not strong because we're too full of unbelief. Now that right there is worth the price of admission right there. So one of the keys is if you're going to get some breakthrough in your life, you're going to fast. I know there ain't too many hand claps and amens about that, but you're going to fast. Paul said in fastings often. Paul fasted often. <laughs> one of the guys who was a general, one of the generals who moved to heaven, but we know him, one of the generals is Smith Wigglesworth. May I have heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Smith, Miss, Smith Wigglesworth, I think there are seven recorded instances of him raising somebody from the dead. Seven recorded instances beyond all the miracles that he did in his life in his ministry. But he was so uh, concerned or attentive toward this issue that you couldn't bring a paper, newspaper, any sort of thing, news, anything outside of the word of God into his house. Well, he didn't care what was going on. It's not that he didn't care what was going on out there in the world. It's just those things are sources of unbelief. Stop reading about coronavirus. Stop reading every little bulletin, every little blurb, every little news bit about coronavirus. You're going to scare yourself to death. Read about his report right here in the Word of God. So when you fast, don't just not eat. Read the Word of God. Pray. Because when you fast and you pray, the Bible says in Jude chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 20, that we build ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Holy Ghost. You build yourself up in your most holy faith. So you block out unbelief and build up your faith. Block out unbelief and build up your faith. So you'll go from, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, to, Lord, I believe. Period. That's where God wants you and I to live and be, is where it's just straight up. I just, I believe God. I believe Jesus. Whatever he says, I just believe it, period. So I can receive. So I can walk in this fullness. So I can get things done. So he can get things done through me. But I got to fast and I got to pray. Now, in the meantime, Jesus, when that man said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You know what Jesus did? He helped him. 
You know how he helped him? He performed a miracle. Did y'all just catch that? You know how he helped him? He performed a miracle. Once he said that, there were no more questions asked. He just performed a miracle. And what God will do for you because he loves you so much and he's trying to encourage you. I thank God for those times of just encouraging me. When I didn't hardly know what I was doing, he just encouraged me by doing the miracle. Does anybody else have experience that besides me? Well, he just, he just you, you, you knew you weren't at the level, but he just blessed you anyhow. He, he, he healed you anyhow. See, that's what happens when, when the gifts of the Spirit are in, are in operation. Here you are, I'm working my faith, believing for my healing. I'm working my faith, believing for my healing. I believe I, I receive. I believe I receive my healing. I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. I'm healed. Every day you're working on that and nothing's happening. All of a sudden, a man of God, a woman of God stands up and says, the Lord says you got a liver issue. The Lord says somebody got a neck issue. Somebody, the Lord says somebody got a blood issue. And all of a sudden, boom, you get healed. Your faith wasn't there yet. You still have plenty of unbelief, but God will send along a vessel so he can override your unbelief and make up the difference. Why? Because he loves you enough to help you overcome your unbelief. That's what he did for this man. Now, he'll do that for every one of us. But how does he want us to live? By faith. Getting rid of the unbelief in my life every day. So I got to tune out all the junk. <laughs> all the junk, the TV junk. I can't watch TV. I don't say you can't watch TV. I'm talking about there's junk that you got to know how to sift through. So that you're not feeding yourself with unbelief. If you marry, you probably shouldn't be watching the soaps. <laughs> pastor, don't mess. Now, Pastor, that don't mess with my stories. Don't mess with my story. I've been watching stories since I was a little girl with my grandma. Don't mess with my story, Pastor. Listen, you probably should not be watching the soaps if you're married because the soaps are riddled with marital problems. Before you know it, you think about Victor. And Nikki Newman and all them people. And Y'all understand what I'm saying to you? See, you got you to guard your heart with all diligence for out of it, all the issues of life. So you got to guard your heart. Even if you're not necessarily fasting from food every day, you got to become a consecrated vessel. And I don't just mean just because somebody's a preacher or a teacher. Every person in the body of Christ needs to live a consecrated lifestyle to get rid of unbelief and have your life full of faith. Amen. That's enough. That's enough. enough. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Boom, here's your miracle. Now, the Lord's instruction to you is help your own unbelief. Every day, build yourself up in the faith. Every day, 
start cutting away those things, those sources of unbelief. Things that cause you to doubt God or doubt his word. Sometimes you got to cut off folk. If your auntie may nail them, keep telling you about how to cut so-and-so died and so-and-so this happened to them, you got to cut auntie Miller. I see you at the reunion and that's it. Because I got to cut off this source of unbelief. I got to live. And my children, you can't come on my children all that stuff. I need, because my children got to live. I can't, I can't take the risk of you uh, feeding them something, some poison, because you feed with them with unbelief. Now, that may seem radical to somebody. <laughs> but if you want to get to a place where you can receive from God all the time and be used by God all the time, remember the disciples had the issue too. The disciples weren't the ones with the problem. They're the ones that couldn't fix it. Same issue, unbelief. And God wants to use you and me to help fix other people's problems too. Amen? Praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your desire to help us. Thank you for your great love toward us. Thank you for how you have demonstrated to us how wonderful you are in your great affection. We appreciate, Lord, um, your mercy and your kindness, your grace, that even when we are short, <laughs> you help make the difference up with your grace. That even when we uh, don't have quite what it takes already inside of us to get manifestation, Lord, so often, you sit along a man or woman of God anointed with power and the Holy Ghost who will minister by the leading and the gifting of the Holy Ghost. I pray, Father, that each person today, as they hear this message and have heard it, would take heed to it, that, Lord, that they will understand your perfect plan and will and desire for us. Lord, to live in perfection. That's what you want for us to enter into that rest, perfection. So, Lord, anywhere where our lives are short of that, thank you that you've given us the faith, the measure of faith to get started. <laughs> and as we begin, even when the disciples asked the Lord how, Lord, to increase our faith, Jesus, you taught them how to use the faith that they have. So, Lord, teach us how to use the faith that we already have. And then build up from there. Think of that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. So think of that today, that your people today, faith has been increased. I pray, Father, that if there has been any sort of confusion, that God, you make things clear by the Holy Ghost in the minds and hearts of your people. That you are the one, our teacher, who teaches us all things. So today, Lord, we trust you to finish a job in every life. And to make what we have spoken a reality in our lives. This is our prayer. We believe we receive the answers and manifestation. In Jesus' name, name we do pray. Amen. Amen. All right, come on, put those hands together. Give God a great hand of praise today. Amen. Hallelujah.